Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a cat over here, there's a cat over there, and the wrong one died, and the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat's catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams. Today, we have another amazing guest. She was on the U.S. National Tour 6, which was pre-COVID in 2019 and 2020 as Rumple Teaser. So welcome, Rose Iannacona. Thank you for joining me. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. I Your stretch of this tour is fascinating to me because it was like the, like, I know you weren't there when it ended abruptly, but it was a mm-hmm. very abrupt ending. But you also were the end of Broadway leading into the first tour and when the movie was happening. So you kind of were there during yes. like a peak cat's chaos. A so lot of events. We will get to that, but I want to start, I always love starting at the beginning. What was your introduction to Cats? When was the first time you got to see it? I first saw Cats, um, the movie, the VHS, like, I was born in 1998 when it came out. So mm-hmm. probably like, you know, a couple years later. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. And I remember watching it in my living room as a kid and just like doing my cartwheels in the living room and being all excited. Then I, I think I was only like, five years old and it was coming through the Schubert in Connecticut where I was from and I got to see it live um and then from there I don't know I was just kind of hooked and then the year I moved to New York City was the Broadway revival so then mm-hmm. it sort of came back into my life there again and then the tour happened so yeah okay so you were you a dancer as a kid like was that the yes. VHS is because you were dancing and so yes. so it Started really hit different okay yes. so you like really yeah yeah, like out of the womb. Okay. So, so yeah, that's got to be very like that is. So, your parents bought that VHS of like, oh, she's dancing it too. Here's, let's get, yeah. let's show her this, you know, this let's piece of theater it. that everyone loves from a dance perspective. Exactly. And then, how old are you when you saw it in Connecticut? I think, I really think I was only like four or okay, five. So super like, young. I was a kid. I was young. And this very had to have young. been the fifth tour. Um, that went on for like 10, 12 years. Probably. Um, and yeah, and so it's, it's in Connecticut, it's in your hometown and you're seeing a, a traveling tour. You're too young to get all the craziness at this point. Oh, yeah. So you're just, no clue. you're just loving to see it to dance. Yes. I remember that. I remember sitting, we were sitting in the front, like the front row of the mezzanine and looking over and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then Green Eyes started. And there's these cats in there next to me. And it was just an absolutely wild experience. I was so excited, so stimulated. Um, yeah, like nothing else I'd experienced before. I love it. So yeah, Green Eyes terrified me. So I love that <laughs> you as four or five were like, oh, this is, I here they is are. Awesome. Did, did the people go, because the tour, it's every production does it slightly different. Did old Deuteronomy stay on stage in their mission and people go up to him? Yes, I think he did. I feel like okay. I, that's another memory I have. But... I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But I feel okay. like he did. 
But I'm, I could be confusing it with when I saw it on Broadway and you were allowed to go take a picture. Yeah. And that was fun because I find that part fascinating because I, I also moved in 2016 to the city and I also mm-hmm. saw it very early in previews or sometime in previews. And it was it blew my mind of like, everyone come up and take a selfie with old Deuteronomy. Yes. But in Connecticut, you know, you might have a, a cell phone, but it's, you don't have a camera phone at that point. Like you're yeah. not going up and taking it. So it's like, you're either going up to actually interact with the actor mm-hmm. or you maybe are getting a Polaroid. Like, I don't yeah, know right. how they did it back then. I don't really know either. I can't, I can't exactly remember. So I won't, uh, I won't say too much more on it. Yeah. So then did you see it in 2016 when you got to the city? I did. I think we saw it in, so the school I went to, um, mm-hmm. the Institute for American Musical Theater, we got to see like one to two Broadway shows each semester. And that was a part of my first semester in school. Um, so it was like the fall. I feel like it was October and we got wow. to see it right like right when I got here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, you see it now as an adult. Yes. What were the differences for you when you saw it as an adult versus the four or five-year-old you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I knew the story at all. I don't mm-hmm. think I really knew anything that was going on. It was more just mesmerizing. Yeah. So as an adult, you're like, oh, okay, like, I can see the story a little more. Um, yeah. It's still mesmerizing. And I had a different appreciation for, like, the set and, like, the climbing and the lighting, all things like that. Um, so mesmerizing still, but a little bit more of understanding maybe what was actually being said. And it wasn't like mumbo jumbo with the lyrics. Yeah. Did you pick up on some of like the innuendos and all the stuff that comes like as an adult? I definitely was because I didn't see it as a child. So as an adult, yeah. I'm like, wow, this is dark and crazy and has some stuff that's clearly happening there that I like a four year old's not going to notice. Yeah. Honestly, I probably barely even noticed seeing it in 2016, yeah. too, because I think I was just excited and it was good, good, good. Like really just everything was happy, good, great. Um, so I probably missed it then too. Yeah. And someone who's, you're also studying, you know, mm-hmm. theater and dance and everything at that point. How much of the differences between the choreography did you notice? Cause I think in the, the Connecticut was probably Joanne Lynn versus Andy Blakenbuehler. Yes. I think too, um, uh, it's kind of like I did my homework before I went. Like I, yeah. I went back, I watched videos because you know I was getting ready to go see it again. Um, and I feel like I was like, "What? There's like hip hop in this. What is that? What's this?" But I loved it, and I I knew it was different, but I liked it. Yeah, that's the part where I mean, to me, someone told me, and I'm like, "Cool." I you know, it's <laughs> yeah, like okay. it, it was all over my head. Um, now I, that I've seen the move, the 1998 movie, because I saw mm-hmm. it in reverse. I saw 2016, and then I was like. Maybe I should watch this 1998 movie mm-hmm. and I can, I can kind of pick up on it, but I don't study this. I don't know this. Yeah. Um, but I do find it fascinating as someone who's in the career of like seeing something that's been around for so long, but has those tweaks still keeps some of the essence, but does have some changes. Definitely. I think too, they kept like Andy kept the most iconic yeah. moments. So you didn't feel like you were missing anything or like um, let down like you, you you were expecting to see like, um, I don't know, like these signature moves and then they didn't happen. So all of that was still there. So everything in between was just bonus. Yeah. There's a lot of traditionalists of like, oh, it's Joanne's show. But then mm-hmm. it's like, I really liked the he put his own spin on it while keeping the core, you know, and mm-hmm. like honoring her, what she did. So it's, yeah. it's kind of an interesting thing to see. Sure. Um, okay. So let's talk about then 
booking the tour because mm-hmm. this is 16 you're now 19 the show's ending on broadway as you are about to go on tour correct yes um i don't know the exact timeline but we started the auditions were in the summer of 2018 okay so I had just gotten back from like the job where I got my equity card and it was my first, it was actually, it was my second audition as a member of Actors Equity. Um, And it was my second, my second one, my first one was an hour before, it was the same day. So So day one. Day one. Um, But so I, I remember that was 2018 in the summer, like in July or August. And then we rehearsed in December into january teched it all and we were open by like january 25th i want to say of 2019 yeah so because you were in the original group that went right you yes. were in, so you did all of the i know you had some of the broadway people kind of come and and there was a couple that joined you from yes. broadway that went on tour early but you yes. did the whole felinity school and like learning the story and all of that yes. as a group right definitely i got to experience all of that our first days of rehearsal were like learning the music which was really like great because it's so much to learn yeah um but even just in learning the words um Kristen Blodgett who was our music supervisor she was like and this means this and you're saying this because it's your ritual and right off the bat everything was like given meaning and then yeah we had like felinity day where we sat in a circle and it was like come out like you five come out and now interact with each other as cats and we were like what are we doing but yeah. we did it that's the moment where as someone who has a much more i have i would say what it, i would call a very traditional nine to five job mm-hmm. you go to work one day and you're like i'm learning how to be a cat and this is what i'm being paid to do as yes. my job like it oh, has yeah. to be a very bizarre feeling at some point there's definitely like there was a realization where I was like, I'm, what? I'm crawling around. I'm getting paid to crawl around and dance. Yeah. It's like such, I don't know. It's like, what is this? You can't even comprehend it. Yeah. And it's the extremes too. Cause like, you know, there's plenty of musicals where, you know, you, you're playing a character and it's very acting. It's like, nope, you are a cat with a crazy name and crawling around and dancing around. Yeah. So, what do you remember about what they told you when you did the story of like, here's what you need to know about Rumpel Tease? Yeah. Well, okay. To me, that sounds like two questions. Okay. Because I feel like the story is one thing, but like Rumple Teaser is another. Okay. And I, I think that the main focus in the beginning was on Rumple Teaser, like finding your individuality and your cat. And then after that was like, where does your cat fit into the story? Okay. So you so, started with come up with your backstory. Yes. Which, you know, it was really fun. It was, I will say this was one of my favorite parts um, of the beginning of the process was Chrissy Cartwright, who, I don't know if you know that name. Mm -hmm. She was like very involved back in like the original production. So she had a lot of wisdom and knowledge to give to us. So probably on like our second day of rehearsal, she went around to each individual person and she gave you three adjectives Mm -hmm. to describe your cat. And I remember I sat there like wide-eyed, open ears, ready to hear it. And she told me, naughty, impressionable, and effervescent. And I was like, okay, what does effervescent mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I really kind of clung to those. And that 
like sort of just sprung me off in my character. Um, and honestly, those three things felt very comfortable to me as like who I am and who I was during that time. So it felt easy to connect to Rumpelteaser mm-hmm. in that way. So when you, you're given your three words, mm-hmm. you're kind of giving a loose outline, right? At that point of like who your cat is. Yes. Were you given more or was it like, like I think a lot about the relationships and stuff because you have an obvious relationship because you dance with Michael Jerry. Yeah. But there's so many others that you play off with that you have to, your stage near and you dance near during the ball and stuff. Like how much yeah. of that is told to you versus how much of that is, okay, these are my three words. I got to embody this persona and then I got to add to it based off of that. Yeah, I think it kind of is a natural cycle like i was technically a kitten in the show yeah so it's like you know that i i did a lot of the same dancing things as victoria tantamile and syllabub and it's like we're we're like okay we're little besties and then it was like a lot of times jenny was near me so i was like and she would because of her words and how she acted and she would interact with me so it was like oh I think Jenny's my mom. Like, I think she's whipping me into shape. So as the staging came about is when we sort of formed those relationships. And like being on tour or in any show in general, when you have like an understudy or swing or someone in, those relationships change like just a little bit too, which always makes it fun. Yeah. So I I always find that in a show like this, which is so open-ended, like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of interpretation to it is were you told that Jenny's your mom or was it a we're just making an assumption based off of the way and Jenny's kind of also decided that she's gonna play that too which was who did you have did you had uh I had um Emily Jean Phillips Emily Jean Phillips okay so yeah okay but no we took that in our own hands for sure um they never told anyone like you're their mom you're their brother even with rumble teaser and mungo it was never like you guys are brother and sister and it and it, that was a, like a fun thing too because with tony and i my original partner like we were brother and sister like ride or die best friends that was that but then when i had um a different partner it was like oh no we're just like we're bro like we're just friends then it was like oh wait maybe i have a crush on this mungo so the relationships were always different yeah so i think that's one that is unanswered, right? Like you could mm-hmm. be brother, sister, you could be dating, you could just be, you know, partners in body yeah. and Clyde, partners in crime type of thing. Yeah, so for sure. How deep did they go though? Like how much was the, this you can't change because this has to be key. Was it more about the overarching story or was it more of like a, you've got to play exactly this relationship? No, I think it was more the overarching story mm-hmm. and it was more, like your cat, if your cat is young and playful and like naughty, then you can kind of interpret how would they interact with someone who is like maternal and stern. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of more where the relationship came into play. But we were never told. And I don't like never relationship to someone, never like friend, mother, daughter, cousin, uncle. That was those words were never used. Okay. Well, at some point they're cats, right? So it's like, maybe yeah. that's part of it. They're like, they're not doing that. Yeah. But it is, it's a, it's a part of the fandom that there are like some where they're like, no, they are together and some they're not and some they're this. And 
I find that part fascinating by the show because it's, it's open. It's really open-ended how you all feel that day and who is, yeah. who's on, like you said, and, um, how you are, you yeah. know, if your friends off stage and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. I think the fans too, they love that stuff and they love to like find the deep meaning. And it's like, if, if my pinky toe touched, like touched Cassandra a different way one night, they yeah. would be like, wait a minute. You know, I think they yeah. are even more into it than we are on stage because they like love it so much. Oh, I'm I'm very aware because I get a lot of <laughs> uh, responses and messages every once in a while when I make up a theory and they're like, that's not right. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not right. Like, that's me making this <laughs> up. Like, this is a a taking two very open ended things and making an assumption. So but yes. I think it's what makes the show sustain 40 plus years is. There's so many different characters. There's so much that people can like latch on to. That's some, you probably Definitely. relate to one of the personality types in the tribe mm -hmm. and yeah, it gives you that sure. opportunity. That's something that I said from the beginning. Like, I think that's why the show, like you said, why it lasted so long, why the audiences are always coming back, why it's always a packed house. Because even if you don't understand the story, it's like, oh, that's like, that's the funny cat. That's the, mm -hmm. like, that's the calm cat. That's the naughty cat. Like, you can just, you can get the vibe of the cats and people like that because they feel seen a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you see, there's generally one that you are most like or that you mm -hmm. can place somebody you know of like, oh, I've got a mm -hmm. friend that's exactly like that. Yes. And it makes it relatable when they're cats, which is, there's plenty <laughs> of musical theater I've seen where I'm like, I don't, like, I can't relate to any of these people. So I'm just watching a show. Um, but I feel yeah. like that is because of how big the tribe is and how many people are there. And the fact that each song kind of explains what they are, you pick up exactly. on that really fast. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back for more of The Wrong Cat Died. So I got to ask a little bit about you you are the first tour that's going out for the show for a little bit of while like a while in the u.s like it hadn't been touring mm -hmm. for a while so you're bringing cats back to some cities that have not had cats mm -hmm. in a while what was the reception yes. and, and tour like we were received so well on tour and it was it was my first experience on tour and i cannot imagine a better one like I said before, our audiences were constantly packed. Like they're, that feeling is so thrilling, exciting, and it just gets your adrenaline pumping. Like every single city, we were basically sold out. Mm -hmm. um, and also, it was the first version or tour that was out that was Andy's version. Mm -hmm. So that was like kind of fun too, because really only like one other company, Broadway, had done it before. So it felt like, you know, we're bringing like a fresh take on a classic to everyone. And I think some people were like, oh, well, what if they don't like it? But everyone loved it. It was like, yeah. I don't know. I, there were something too that I didn't ever experience a lot of was the stage door. And like our stage door was constantly flooded with people and kids and adults and whoever came to see the show, which it was just great. And I think the audience has loved it. Yeah, it's it has an amazing fan base who loves it. And then it has mm -hmm. a bunch of kids that it's something that a family can go see. And 
there's probably more than they realize, you know, happening. Um, but, but <laughs> yeah. there's still like, you know, you can bring all ages and have a good time. Although I argue like 13 to 18, probably maybe should stay home. It's a little, little too much going on there. Um, yeah. what you were on tour when all the chaos of the movie came out of the 2019 yes. movie came out. So I generally, we don't talk a ton about the movie on, on, on this podcast, mm-hmm. but I find your tour in particular had this like very unique experience with this because this podcast started because of the trailer, which I think came out while you were on tour and kind of caused chaos. Yes. And then the movie came out while mm-hmm. you are out and also caused its own chaos. So what was that experience mm-hmm. like being so tied to this other thing that's not you all, but is definitely bringing an added component to your show? Oh, yeah. It was very interesting because um, around that time, too, was when I feel like social media and like memes started really influencing everybody out there. And it was like the trailer came out and then two minutes later, it's like memes making fun of cats and like making fun of Taylor Swift as the cat and all this stuff. So it was like, oh, no, what is this going to do to us? And I felt like not maybe our audiences were saying things to us about the movie, but more like the general public mm-hmm. of like people in my life, like my muggle friends and yeah. family were like, um, wait a minute. Is this what your show is like? Is this what you're doing? This is so weird that like, so I felt like it was a weird dichotomy because like at night, everyone's like, we love you. We love you. And then on social media and like hearing in my ear was like this is so bizarre i this is so weird you guys are not gonna make it we're like what this isn't related yeah Yeah. it's got to be hard in a sense because it's already hard enough to be like i'm traveling around the country as a cat dancing every night like it's Mm -hmm. for anybody that's not in theater or understands like that as the job it's a it's hard enough to comprehend that and then you add in this layer yeah. of this, all of the noise of that. I mean, that trailer caused a storm. And like, that's yes. again, how this whole podcast started is I got so many messages that day. I remember that day so vividly because that trailer and Top Gun's trailer both launched on the same day. And oh, really? Yeah. And I saw a Top Gun trailer. I was like, oh, this looks you know really good. The new, new Top Gun movie. And I had like 30 people text me catch trailer because i had made fun of the show after i saw it in 2016 kind of jokingly yep in a written format so people and people just assumed i was obsessed and i was like i just made fun of it i hadn't thought about it a lot but i made my joke that ended up becoming the genesis of this podcast that day of the same thing where memes yeah. are taken off i'm like i'm jumping in on this bandwagon and yeah, like i'm I, getting in on i made it. my yeah. joke about grizabella And, um, but I just remember so like that, what you're saying about the memes, it was my entire feed. Yes. And I was able to know of like, I watched the Broadway version. I understand this is a very different Les Mis-ish style, you know, like this is what's coming, but there's a lot of people that don't. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, oh, we're going to put these two things together. So I can't imagine the noise that that created in your world going city to city where people aren't sitting in New York you know, in the theater district aware of this industry as a, you know, huge business that it is 
and much more of the like, I'm in a rural town and I saw that on social media Mm -hmm. and now you're coming to my city. Yeah, for sure. I think it got weird too because then we all went to see the movie. We were in Toronto at the time when it came out. Yes, we were in Toronto and everyone got together and went one night. I actually didn't go to that because my family was in town, but I went the next night. It was literally like Christmas night or the day after I feel like it came out. Yeah, Um, it came out. And afterward. Yeah, December. Yeah. And afterward, everyone was like, what the heck? They made us look so bad. And like, they talked such a big game that it was such a letdown. I think that was the biggest problem. We all were like, they hyped it up and like all of this, um, like AI, I guess. And like, they're supposed to look so real, but. We were like, why were they wearing high heels? They're cat. Yeah. Like, why did they have human faces? We were so confused and like mad that they made it that way. Did you see any difference in audiences after? Like, you know, a couple of weeks after it's been out now, people who have seen it have seen it. Or what or did you just still get the cats, you know, theater and cats fans at your show and it nah. just didn't really make any difference? Yeah. I don't think we really saw a difference. Also, I feel like at that point people like had their tickets already so yeah. It's, yeah like are you just not gonna go so i mean totally i don't think it changes ticket sales i was more of like the do you get a different vibe but i would hope that anybody that is oh. going understands the difference between no the animated i think, I think the vibe movie. was still good yeah okay for sure the vibes were still up they were good um but people did ask like they would ask us did you see the movie did you see the movie so oh yeah, that I mean, just was I interesting. Can't even mm-hmm. imagine. Um, I I want to hear a little bit about. I love hearing tour stories, and you all were, you know, the last tour that bef- you know before COVID, like before, like really mm-hmm. stuff like really started to change because of how you know it's a different industry now. Things are done a little bit different post COVID, and so you kind of had mm-hmm. that that fun and chaotic moment because I know you weren't there when it kind of abruptly ended. And I even have on my desk over here, I have tickets from April of 2020 in Indiana that did not happen. Um, oh my God. We supposed to go to you. But tell me some of the fun things that like you remember from being on tour, like the funny stories, the memorable moments that are, are shareable. I mean, it was such a fun time. I don't know, like, if you remember the vibes of like New York City right before COVID, to me, it was like, Everyone was buzzing and thriving and happy right before COVID. And I feel like that was the vibe on our tour. Um, And specifically, like me, I was like, I just turned 21. Like, I'm going out. I just took advantage of everything I could. Um, So my favorite memories are like the sound checks of like each new city because we would show up and we would have our company meeting and they'd be like, Okay, great. So half the set got here. The soccer balls deflated. We don't have the costumes. The wigs got wet. Like there was always something. So we'd be like, okay. Then we you show up to sound check and you're wearing like your wig with no makeup or like all your makeup with your hair down. And it's just like kind of silly. And getting to see the theater for the first time was always like really exciting. And um yeah, but sound checks to me were always just like fun and silly because I felt like it was our time to sort of let loose a little because you ha- we had to do a decent amount of like singing and different songs during that time. But 
was their chance to sort of like, you know, make fun of it a little, have fun, yeah. like do this, do that, take it too far. So the sound did, checks were really fun for me. Did any stop stand out for uh, like a certain city because of family, friends or joining or just a, a, a town that it was like super it, memorable? Okay. Yes. Hartford, Connecticut. I grew up in New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. And Hartford was our third. It was our second stop on tour. So we pecked in Providence, opened in Providence, and then we went right to Hartford. So this is like my the biggest thing I've ever done. I'm so excited. I'm 40 minutes from the town I grew up in. And on our Saturday night show, my family and friends took a coach bus and I had, I think I had like 112 people in the audience on one night. Wow. And there were so many people that my mom went to like, she came to every single show that week. My mom saw the show, like sidebar, my mom saw the show 27 times. 27? Yes. She's a tour groupie yes. rolling around um, with you all. Yes. But she came before we were even in Hartford. She drove out to the theater and was like, listen. We're having all these people come. What can you do for us? And they were like, here's what we're going to do. Everyone's going to leave. Because usually if you want to see someone after a show, you have to meet them at the stage door mm -hmm. and then go back, blah, blah, blah. There's 112 people. How are we going to do that? So they were like, stay in your seat. Everyone will leave. So I had my 112 people sitting in the audience. I came out on the stage. They burst out screaming and clapping. It, I literally, I felt like a movie star. Yeah. And it just was so nice. And they all got to sort of like, see the stage a little bit and it just was nice like all of that love that was that was really really special that is so cool and it's cool that they accommodate that because it's you know you it's a oh, yeah. once a lifetime moment especially in the beginning you know your first tour and you're so close to home and i love the i have this visual of your whole like it feels like a a texas football sound where like everyone shuts down the whole city and gets on the bus and comes to watch your your show and as everyone like the whole town just stopped what they're doing and came i know you're not from a, that's that so funny a town but that's the visual i it's got. more like it's more like picture everyone is in like a fur coat and they're like we got to get the meatballs on the bus and we have to make yeah. sure we get the cutlets and bring her the cupcakes i love and it. actually okay another another memory and story from that same city my family owns an Italian restaurant in Connecticut. Uh, okay. So before one of our shows, my dad catered a big Italian meal, rigatoni vodka, meatballs, the salad. He had a cake made and like all of this crazy stuff. And we did that before a show too. And you all nice. ate that before going to dance for two and a half hours straight oh. at a big Italian meal? Absolutely. You are brave. Absolutely. That is, <laughs> that is so, that's amazing. Um, I will tell you the yeah. reason, one of my big arguments of what I want the tour or regional theater to do, I would love a tour to do it, is to have an audience vote on the choice because of that exact example where I'm like, you on that night, Rumple Teaser is a jellical choice if we're putting an audience vote because you have the crowd Listen, on your side. I, was go I would be on that tire that night. I, I want that for that exact reason. I think it would be so fun if like, you know, this is your night or just randomly a night, somebody delivered and gave like this, you know, the performance <laughs> of the, of the night and they voted. But imagine if you get to go on the tire on that night where your whole family's there. Oh my gosh. That would have been wild. <laughs> yeah. So I'm slowly inching my way to the right people to not on tour. They're never going to do it on tour, but I want a regional theater to do <laughs> never it. Never on tour. 
maybe I'm hoping that's the right place. Mm-hmm. Where else outside of the hometown? You said that you said your family was in Toronto. Did you did they come up to to see it there when you were? Performing? They did not 112 people, yeah. but um, yeah. So my my family came out. I'm really lucky. My family and I are really close, so they came to see me in a lot of places. But regardless of my family, a random little town that I just had a ball in was um mcallen texas which is like right on the border like at the bottom tip of texas and we were only there for i think we're only there for like three days but it was october but it was like 97 degrees out and we would go to the pool and then afterwards it was like the biggest party town ever and we would just like go out and we would dance and i have a memory of um our Jelly Lorem at the time doing the Victoria solo in a bar in McAllen, Texas. And it was so iconic. That is, I can only fathom the like townspeople out at their night and all of a sudden you all roll up and post show <laughs> coming in, having a drink. And then somebody yes. has, does the solo, does the whole Victoria dance. Oh yeah. They were probably not yes. ready for that. They were not ready, but the energy was unmatched in that town. I love it. It's always fun though. Like I, I feel like that's got to be one of the coolest parts, especially so early in your career and at a younger age, being mm-hmm. able to see so much of the country, but also do this kind of very unique and cool thing in places that otherwise you would probably never step foot in. Oh, for sure. I I remember like three months in calling my mom and being like, I would do this for free, but I'm getting yeah. paid. And like, what? I'm like, all of my friends are in college waking up at 6 a.m. for their classes and hustling and all this. And I'm putting on silly makeup in a unitard every night and I'm traveling somewhere different every week. Like, I was like, this is a dream and a half. Yeah, that is. I, I can't again, can't even fathom. Um, I want to do mm-hmm. some rapid fire. So if you could go okay. on for one night for any cat. Male, female, it doesn't matter if you could sing, dance, if you just, one night, I'm going to go on, I can do it. Who am I going as? Who should you mm-hmm. go on as? McCavity. You want to do McCavity? You want to be the villain? Yes. That's so fun. I love it. Um, who are your favorite and least favorite cats? So take actors out of it, just characters. Okay. Ob- I mean, obviously, Rumple Teaser. Um, I'm going to take her. I'm not going to allow Rumple Teaser because, of course, you're. Okay, to fine. It, so. Whatever. My favorite cats are. Probably Bomb Ballerina. I like Skimble Shanks a lot. <laughs> um, I like you are not going to like this, but I, I'm like, I don't need Gus. I'm okay oh, with him. Okay. So Gus is the owl. Wow. Um, he's kind of on the outs for me. That is uh, a hot take for a lot of listeners. It's a hot take. It's a hot take. Okay. That's not good for my last question. But. Honestly, you know what? Okay, sorry, sorry. Um, but I guess like in the same vein, like Bustifer. Eh. Yeah, he's, he's probably the most common answer when I ask about dislike is Bustifer, like. which is also the same person, right? Yeah, it's Bust and Gus. Yes. Uh, okay, favorite song from the show? It's Gimbal Shanks. Oh, what a bop. Someone told me to start running to it. Such and I'm a bop. like, it's, it feels like a great running song. 
ironically enough, it came up in a dream of mine. Like I haven't thought about cats in a while and it came up in a dream of mine like three weeks ago. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah, Skimble, thanks. I I have no follow-up questions there. Um, okay, this is my fun <laughs> one. I always ask a fun one. And before we started recording, we talked about how during COVID you did some real estate uh, on the side yes. as, a, as a job. So which cat do you think would make the best real estate agent? Jenny. Jenny, that's a great answer. I think that I was- I think Jenny. I yeah. feel like she is on top of her game. She's organized. She knows how to whip someone in shape. She's going to make sure that everything, they're getting their pre-approval on time. They're getting their clear to close on the right day. She gets paid at closing, not a minute later. Yeah. I was thinking Jenny and Skimble because of the organization. Yeah. And then I think I want um, Mustafeli's doing my like staging and design. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, that's going to be fabulous. Yeah. Okay. Most important question of this podcast. And I'm now nervous because Gus is- your least favorite cat. Uh-oh. Uh, I have argued at length. I don't think Grizabella is the correct jellical choice. So I want to hear you, Rose, are you going to pick Grizabella and I want to hear your defense or are you going to pick a different jellical choice? <clears throat> I'm ready. And I'm going to stick by Grizabella. Oh, no. Okay. Give me the rationale. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's my thing. Grizabella... Even though she was an outcast, she might have done wrong. She put herself out there. She worked hard on the night that it mattered most. She put in the work. She showed off. She was like, you want to hear me belt high? I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, you don't want me here, but I'm here early. I'm on time. I'm in the right outfit. I feel like she did every single thing right. And the whole point of the tribe is that we're supposed to stick by each other. So what kind of a tribe would we be if now when she needed us most, we just left her out, out in the rain? So I agree completely with that. But my next thing is, why can't she spend the year with her family? Okay, I think she's been troubled. She has a lot going on. So she doesn't have another year. She's got to go now. I think this is it for her. And, I, and she knows it too. That's why she's working so hard. It's why she's pleading. If she knew that there was like even an inch of hope for her, maybe next year, maybe she can get her life together. Maybe she'll start coming around for the holidays. No, she knows this is her last chance. So she goes, let's, let's say she goes this year. Well, she does go this year because that's the way the show ends. How does Old Deuteronomy pick next yeah. year? Is there another cat out there in the ether that's coming back or is it a, different criteria or how does this work annually since we're only given one night? Yeah, I think that this was a special occasion. This one was kind of different than any other because as you're, you know, going through the show, when you're hearing the invitation to the Jellicle Ball, you hear about what the ideal Jellicle should be. And really you're like, oh, Grizabelle is none of these things. <laughs> but in the end, we pick her because of what we are supposed to represent as a tribe. So I think that the following year, like, we're probably not picking another Grizabella. I also think that, you know, it's old Deuteronomy. He is strategic and he knows she's around. He knows what she's doing mm -hmm. and he wants it to be a learning experience for the rest of the tribe. And I think he's hoping that if we do this tonight, it's only going to better everyone else. Yeah. 
I don't disagree with that part at all. I just think that <laughs> she's next year's choice. I think she should come back and spend a year with her family and get to, you know, you reaccept her finally. And then it's like, cool, let's now let's murder you. Like, it's no, like, let's reaccept you and <laughs> let's enjoy time with our family. I just, I just feel like the bridge had been burned so mm -hmm. bad. And it was like part of the reason why she was chosen is because we were reminded of all of those characteristics that make us jellicles to begin with. Because on any normal day, if it was next Tuesday and she showed up, we're probably going to be like, no, we're not giving you another chance. But on that night where we're reminded of all of these things, that's why we are more accepting. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I'm changing your mind, uh, but that's okay. I don't I've think got, you are. I've got, uh, <laughs> she still has less than half the votes, but she still is the most okay. vote getter. And um, I just, I didn't think when yeah. we did this that I was going to ever get this close to getting more people say not Grisabella, but we're getting there slowly. No, I like Grisabella. Do you, how's that? I tell you why not Gus. Okay. <laughs> A little different. I think the difference, the main difference for me between Gus and Grisabella is that I just don't think he worked as hard. And I think if he really wanted it, he could have proven it a little bit more. So is his number changing or is there other things happening to get him? Like he doesn't what have he, to be, he just, he's not busted for her. So he just gotta, he gotta be Gus the whole night. Yeah. I don't know. Be there. And like, part of me too is like, you know what? I get it. And I feel like I'm, I'm sympathetic towards him and I know he's old and he has this great story and we let him relive his youth one last time. It's like, you know, after all these years, you couldn't convince us. So now, yeah. like, what's changed tonight? Yeah. So I, I think that's fair. I think Gus is the fallback answer because he's the old one that looks like he's about to die anyways. I still yes. want, the world I want is I want it to be American Idol-ish, which means that as a live show, every night, someone else is going to bring it. And there are going to be nights where Grisabella will win because memory is iconic and yes. she will deliver mm -hmm. a incredible performance. And there are going to be nights like in Hartford, Connecticut, where I bet you in <laughs> front of 112 of your friends and family brought it that night. And I want Rumble Teaser <laughs> to go. And so I think there are sure. nights that, you know, it's eight shows a week. There are going to be nights where it's not going to be everyone's best or it's going to be a, a day. But someone probably had a stellar performance. And I think the audience will notice yeah. that. And I want a vote. I, I stand by that. That's actually such a great idea. It's just, you know, who, put, who puts the harness on and when? There's enough technology now that this is <laughs> possible to happen. You're right. So Where there's a my, will, there's a way. That's my dream is that I say this enough into this microphone on this show that somebody's like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I will be there. Wow. This has been so fun. How can people stay in touch with you and everything you're working on? Social media and everything. Yeah. You could follow me on Instagram. It's R Iannacone. That's my last name. I-A-N-N-A-C-C-O-N-E-9-8. Um, yeah. Instagram. Hang Amazing. out with me. 
Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories and your fun. And it was a blast to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I had a ball. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you. And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of the Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of those podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, threads, and TikTok at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.